I wouldn't listen to something about, say, the Yorkshire Ripper because it's saturated. There's loads of stuff out there. Yeah. But I'd choose something from, say, 1973 that's really obscure that right. you haven't heard of. And I'd think, oh, yeah, that's quite interesting because that's what I'd want to listen to myself. My name is Nick Nagarko and you are locked into Culture TV. For the culture, by the culture. Let's go. Hello, Paul, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, Nick. Thanks very much for having me on. So, true crime enthusiasts, how long have you had the podcast? It's been going on nearly four years now. It started as a blog about five years ago, and right. it's just skyrocketed from there, really has. And where did the passion come from for this? It's, it's since I was a kid, really. You know, it's all like old Crime Watch, old scary stuff. Like your folks yeah. like stay up too late watching all. Yeah. Do you remember Crime Watch back in the day? More, more than anything, mate. <laughs> I tell you, they're all on YouTube now. Actually, are they? Shared them all from BBC. Yeah, so proper good Crime Watch when it was scary and yeah. memorable. You know, and, that, and they had the music to go with it as well, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> the police driving up the motorway and all that. Yeah, yeah, fabulous. Wow, so it's been four years. Four years. Wow, brilliant. And during this journey, what what have you learned and how has it sort of changed your perception about serious crime out there? It's well, basically just how much of it there is. And I've come to notice as well that some certain crimes are more stay in the public conscious more than others yeah. and i don't quite understand why that is really which which crimes for example would you mean i'd say for example you know you've got your things off the top of your head like madeline mccann james yeah. bulger stuff yeah. like that but they were well, work they're not the only children to go missing or murdered are they there yeah so many others who you don't know who have forgotten about is it because of I suppose it's the media attention to those cases that's raised the profile of them. I suppose. What are your What is your thoughts on the on the Madeleine McCann case? It's It's not something I ever want to touch on. That it's not something I want to get drawn into at all. Oh really? Why? I have my own personal opinions about it. Again, that could be because of the media and the way certain people are portrayed in the media. Should we yeah. say that? Say yeah. more. Right. Okay. So I think you mean you mean the mum there, basically. I do mean the mum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no messing about. Shameful, absolutely shameful that they still had their other two children. I think. Yeah, I do. It it's the whole the whole reaction to that case. I think is it's been so big because first of all, you don't leave your kid in a foreign country while you go to a restaurant. Like you just you just don't. There's just basic things that you don't do. And the fact that one kid went missing and the other stayed. and Strange, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, very strange. Yeah. I don't know. I've... That one um, that one particularly disturbed me. Um, I, I recently watched... Um, have you seen that film on all four, Longford? No, I've not. That's... Is it about the, uh, Lord Longford? Is it? It's about Lord Longford, yeah, and his relationship with Myra Hindley. Um I found that um, really fascinating because I think from as a kid, obviously I'm with I'm from I'm from Manchester. My parents grew up around the time of well, my mum grew up in in Manchester around the time of uh, when all that was going on in the sixties. 
so she's pretty well versed in that case. So she, um, when I was a kid, my mum would make me aware about, oh, there was this woman back in the day and she was doing it. So it's kind of like something that was I was aware of from an early age. So watching that film about Lord Longford, I always found it quite fascinating how someone could sympathise or empathise with Myra Hindley. Yeah, he proper did, didn't he? Yeah, he really did. But then that's again, that's another great example of what we were going back before about how some things stay in the public conscious. Yeah. Like Hindley and Brady. That uh, that photograph of Myra Hindley is iconic, isn't it? Yeah. It's like the it's like the, the embodiment of evil, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it certainly is. It, it, it certainly is, yeah. Um what what I found quite strange about that film is that you we all know Brady is like an evil lunatic, but he was just an evil lunatic. He was quite one dimensional in that sense from I mean how the film portrays him, like he's whereas Brit whereas Myra Hindley there's quite a lot of layers to her to her to her evil where she will she will wear a mask she'll pretend to be a certain way pretend to be a changed woman pretend to be like she was pretending to Longford that she'd converted to uh Catholicism and that she was this you know uh not sinless but she'd she'd uh ask for forgiveness for her sins and that she's trying to be a changed woman but at the end when um so what what i I don't know how much you know about this but so basically jack straw was about to sign off on her release in like 2006 and uh ian brady wasn't having none of that so we called the sun like the newspaper he got a he got a journalist to go up to durham to his jail and he basically told them everything, told them everything that she'd done, confessed the three more murders. Um, obviously, the next day, it was all over the press. Hinley's committed three more murders that she never confessed to. Um, and that was the end of her parole. So she could never... So it's, 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 a re- it's a really interesting film, actually. You should watch it. I will do. Yeah, I will do. I mean, she must have died not long after that, surely. Yeah, well, I think she sort of gave up. So what... And, I mean... I don't know how I don't know how accurate the film is as far as like historical accuracy, but uh, so she calls Longford up to the to to a whatever she invites him to her prison, and she basically says, uh, "That's it, I'm done, I'm done with you." This is after a twenty-year relationship, but she just cuts him off cold. And the strange thing is, Longford had avoided listening to those tapes, you know, the Leslie Ann Downey tapes. Yeah, 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 yeah. He'd never listened to them up till this point i mean and then he he listens to them and then he listens to them and realizes what what he was dealing with what what pure as if you wouldn't though as if you wouldn't do that (laughs) mate i i stumbled across them tapes on youtube once and it and it disturbed it disturbed me for weeks i can imagine that's just something you don't want to hear have you heard them i've not heard i've read the transcript of them yeah yeah yeah, don't ever listen to them Renders. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's I mean just just yeah, thinking yeah. about it, man, it puts it's the shit does, doesn't it? Yeah. Hey, that's, that's that's the embodiment of evil that. It really does, yeah. So what what's your plans with uh, true crime enthusiast? Well I'm in the i in the process of writing a book at the moment. The okay. first book in the show. So basically it's gonna be it's a bit half and half. It's half cases that I've already covered in the yeah. what, the six series to date that I've done. Yeah. But the other half will be sort of new cases that I've found. And I think I think the byline says there's um, 
cases I've already opened, cases I'm yet to open, cases I've still to open. Yeah. Case files, you know. So wow. Yeah. So there's a bit of that. So it's it's like trying to write and it's like trying to write episodes of the series. Yeah. Around writing the series, if you like. So yeah. it's need a thirty hour day at the moment. I really do. It's absolutely crazy. Wow. Crazy. And, what and what is your process for researching a case? Like, how do you go about that? I try and work about a month in advance, really. So right. I have a big list of right. I'm doing that next month. I've got a massive library here at home. Really yeah. have quite good at searching online i've become over the past four years you know yeah, archives, this that and the other yeah sometimes i get to go to the scenes depending on where it is i mean i'm not i'm from north wales so i'm not going to trip to the top of orkney to go and look to see if a shop's still the same as it was 20 years ago yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. not that bothered but if i can go to the place i will i'll, I'll bask in because i like bits of color like that you know yeah As i've said to someone before i've said describe everything nothing is nothing is trivial you know say if like if that was a garage 20 years ago go there and say well it's not a garage anymore such and such is here now right just, it brings it just home for people you know yeah bit more in their mind's eye yeah so i do so i do that and then i have this crazy disjointed way of i'll have about 20 documents and there'll be a bit of it on that and there'll be a bit of it on that and then there'll be notes and then i'll condense them down and swap them over and all this and it just works it's like the kind of mess you know like bowie used to write songs by putting pieces of paper on the floor in a circle right right okay something like that it's okay. a disjointed mess but it yeah. just seems to come together by picking bits like doing a big jigsaw yeah and so it takes you about it takes you about a month to put each episode together no 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 it's in oh, you start in a week well, okay but you start about a month in advance. Yeah, 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 for working months. So, like, I'm doing what I'm doing now. I've been doing for the past seven weeks. I'm right. doing a mul massive multi-part episode at the moment. Right. Um, I've been doing that for the past seven weeks, but I spent the previous month putting all the research together. Yeah. So I know what I'm doing next month. So I've already got stuff earmarked and bookmarked and books are out and put to one side. Yeah. So I know. So I'm quite sort of... I fell into a, a quite a good rut that that I'm um, practiced at using now. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, wh why did you choose podcasting as as the medium for this? Well, I started. Oh, I started before I started my show in 2017. I started writing for another UK show, and it was just about the time that podcasts were. I mean, they were already out, but they were proper just kicking off. You know, yeah. and just getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I come across the uh, this guy. Am I allowed to mention his show? Am I or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can mention. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a guy. It's a great show. It's a UK true crime podcast. Absolutely yeah. fabulous. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's really good. Really good. Weekly, weekly show. Dead down to earth. Proper good. And he he was choosing things that I'd be interested in hearing myself. Right. Because that's what I've always tried to do since I started <clears> it. I wouldn't listen to something about say. Yorkshire Ripper because it's saturated. There's loads of stuff out there. Yeah. But I choose something from, say, 1973 that's really obscure that right. you haven't heard of. And I'd think, oh, yeah, that's quite interesting because that's what I'd want to listen to myself. And how would you even find the information on something like that? Because it wouldn't be online. You start with a name. You, you start with a name and then you trawl back through archives or 
chances are you'll find it in some sort of regional book that you've got or right always ways and I, I find out as much as i can <clears throat> excuse me i've always find out as much as i can and if there's like the best part of bugger all you just get a paragraph yeah and i'll then i'll put three or four similar cases together right to make an episode you know right. to get a bit of meat so yeah so i always do that because i don't like to think that anybody is forgotten nobody is more important than someone else's story yeah i don't believe that at all so that's what and i was trying to do do you think with like the investigations that you've been doing on these like cases do you think you've ever found something that might have been missed at the time i think i, I think i've i was asked this um quite recently and i believe that these pe people are, it's so popular now there are so many of them and people who are really serious about it, like myself, there's a lot of other hosts who are as well. I think we've got the time and the patience to, to look through one of these things. And I think that's a very valuable resource that mm -hmm. the police could tap into. Yeah. And it's not just myself who said this, this is like, I've heard some high profile sort of public figures say the same thing. Yeah. It's daft. It's a tool. Why would you not use it if it's a useful tool that, well, it's it's free support, isn't it? Essentially, for the for the police. Completely, it is completely. It's like having someone come round to do your garden. Yeah, it's like say, oh, let me cut your grass. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love cutting grass. I'm dead interested in it. Can I do it? Well, yeah, you can do it because it's done, then, isn't it? Yeah, you don't understand. I know there might be a. You, see, the problem with that is though, you get some people who are just well ghouls and yeah. would want gory details just for themselves but then you yeah. get some serious people who would look at it and yeah. think it's just it's a different pair of eyes looking at something you know and you might see something that other people have seen differently yeah they haven't seen that's in plain sight <laughs> yeah a, yeah yeah I, yeah i do believe that but i don't know if i specifically have myself yeah i've i've offered a few theories about some unsolved cases i've covered yeah, I always try and I always chuck, chuck my own um, thoughts in right. all the time, and it's always it's always an, it has to be an educated guess because you just don't know you're working with limited yeah, information. Yeah. But you know, I don't say stupid things like, "Well, aliens have done it." Obviously, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's yeah. always kind of like that. It's it, yeah. I, I, but I test I, I test my own arguments as well. I'll argue for it. I'll argue against it. Yeah see what's and then it's ultimately it's up to people to what they think isn't it so paul in four years of doing this show what would you say is the strangest case that you've covered the the, str the most unique yeah it, it was actually uh a, an episode i i would say yes there is an episode that was written for the show by a listener so i always like to at least once a series i put it out there that if anybody's listening has got a case they're interested in or it's always proper burning to them it might be personal it might be something they're connected with someone yeah. who lives up the road i was like if you want to research it and write it write it up for the show by all means please do and i'll put it out as an episode yeah had a had a, a an episode written about two series ago i think and the title of it is the feathers and the golden flute and it's like it's one of my absolute favorite episodes the feathers like, and the golden flute the feathers and the golden flute and what it is basically is in a nutshell it's a 
a musician. He's a bit strange. I would have said he was on the spectrum myself. And he, and he, like a bit of a music prodigy, come over to the UK, he's American. He had an interest in fly fishing, right? Right. Bear, bear with me, fly fishing. He wanted to, he, he got so obsessive and so practiced in the world of fly fishing that he wanted to do it with proper exotic feathers, right? But you can only use certain because they're very expensive and some of them are protected. Yeah. So what he decided to do was break into the Natural History Museum and he stole about £200,000 worth of exotic bird feathers to make, right. to make flies with. Right. What he wanted to do was sell as many as he could because he wanted to buy a golden flute. And right. he obviously didn't get his golden flute, but he didn't spend any time in jail, and they didn't get all of the feathers back either. They lost about 100 grand's worth or something like that off the top of my head. Wow. It's an absolute, the story was, I read it and I was just absolutely fascinated. And when was this? This is not that long ago, actually. I would say 10 years ago. Have you tried to find the guy? <laughs> I have looked him up. He now puts videos out on YouTube. He does what? heavy, he does heavy metal flute videos. No way. He, he does seriously. Yeah. It's, I can't for the life of me remember his name now, but it's Edwin something. Have you thought about getting him on the show? Have, I, have you what, sorry? Have you thought about getting him on the show? Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. <laughs> if, I ever if I ever start the kind of interview, in the conversational podcast, like yeah. mine is very much a, a single narrator, but if I ever start the conversational one, he'd be someone I would desperately want on. But then I, I think I might come across as I'm taking the mick out of him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Tell me about your feathers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just nuts. <laughs> yeah. What do you think the explosion of podcasting over the past few years has enabled so many different types of content to break through and, and, and to provide a lot more sort of variety of content for for people these days? For example, the True Crime pod podcast. Um what do you think the few how do you think this is going to change and develop over time do you think i think a lot more people will move to youtube yeah it's a natural step to to do but then i think you've got to be quite comfortable in front of a camera, camera. yeah you, you know what i mean because you are going out to potentially millions of people aren't you yeah i, th I think what you just said before about the explosion of podcasts is especially with true crime i found myself there is not a great deal of diversity out there there's not you'll find like for for say a hundred shows mm -hmm. 95 of them will cover the same 50 crimes i would right. say they, they will be like they, they don't like to look for the it's, it's as though that's the, the only ever amount of crimes that's happened yeah can't, they won't be they won't look further into it they'll just yeah. cover something that a hundred other shows have done yeah. so you're not getting you're not learning anything different you know i mean mm -hmm. why would someone then listen to that when they think well i've heard that well, the same times. 50 crimes on 50 other shows yeah. and yeah that, that, that's right why would you why would you do that so i i think it's quite it's quite difficult to be 
diverse unless you unless you're digging into stuff like like myself that I do or some of the other show hosts do. Yeah. They'll proper come up with things and well I, I speak as a listener. Yeah. As I said to you before, um I'd listen to something, I'll read a synopsis of something and I'll think, well I'm interested in that. That sounds yeah. I've not heard of that. Don't yeah. know about it. I'll tune in. Then other than I'll say I'll see one about the Moors murders and I think, well, no, probably know quite a bit about that. Yeah, exactly. Not the new. How long did it take you for the show to really get going? It's it's a constant, constant uphill kind of learning curve for yeah. it. It really is. I think going back to what I just said about all these shows that pop up each day, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people expect instant success yeah. overnight and it doesn't happen. It's yeah. You've got to interact, engage with people. You've got to get people to sort of want to tune in. Yeah. You've got to have a bit of personality. You've got to have a yeah. bit of good content. And they yeah. think the most important thing is, well, we'll set up a Patreon straight away. Yeah. And, oh, I've got a catchy graphic, a quirky title, content, or just read it off Wikipedia. And, and it's no good because no one, no one gives a monkeys about exactly. all of that. If it's, awful to listen to yeah yeah you've got to provide people with some you've got i think like with us like what we what was really key for us with setting up culture was that we wanted a a show that added value to the listener in some way shape or form so each episode someone would take something away from it or they'd have an insight into something that perhaps they might not have had you know 10 minutes 10 minutes before the show and i think that's kind of our our sort of staple ingredient is just speaking to people who are doing something a bit different or have a, have a have a particular niche for example you've got a niche with sort of an enthusiasm for crime do you know what i mean so i think that was kind of our angle but there are a lot of shows out there that i think they they do think it's a quick fix into the success land of podcasting they do they really do yeah and you yourself you yourself know i bet like say i bet you you how hard you guys work on the show you yeah. know it's it's not it's a, it's a I, I suppose it's full time for you it's very much like a second job for me yeah this is, i work full time yeah and i know how hard i work on it yeah. <clears throat> excuse me so it's not it's not something you can take for granted and it doesn't yeah. just happen overnight put the time in but then the rewards are are good yeah worked for it and is this how the book came about from from obviously the success of the show and whatnot it was like okay it's time to to put this down into something yeah yeah i sort of it was always uh, thought in the future that i i'd kind of like well i'd love to be a published author i'd love to have that and now the show's pretty successful you know i've got it gets decent listens each week, each episode. And yeah. so, so I know there's a, there's someone out there who would actually read something that I wrote. Yeah. It's, it's, as I say, it's like writing an episode. I might put a few less um, personal anecdotes or uh, I do tend to go off on tangents sometimes on the show. Yeah. And so I might put a bit less of that in, but if I think to myself, if I'm writing a chapter as I'm writing an episode, yeah, you'll be fine because I'm quite polished at it now and yeah, yeah. say one more than 200 of them. So 
Is it yeah. 200 episodes you've done now? I've, I've done more than 200 episodes, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and when would the book be out? It's hopefully out for pre-order next month. Oh, wow. It's not quite finished yet. It's okay. about three quarters done, but it's not quite finished, but it will be out for pre-order very soon. Oh, amazing. Well, we'll, we'll make sure to do uh, an article on that on the website for Culture Fabulous. Once, once it does come Fabulous. Out. Thank you. That's brilliant. Oh, Paul, thank you so much for coming on the show today, mate. That's 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 really great. Thank you, mate. You're welcome, Nick. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, good luck with the book, and we'll be definitely supporting it. Thank you. Thanks very much. All right, mate. All the best, man. Take care. See you now. Bye-bye.